Hello and welcome to that horror show podcast with that dynamic duo of horror, Timothy Kaz and Christopher Koenig. When you think of horror, think of us. We are a podcast like no other, so sit back, relax, and enjoy that horror show podcast, if you dare. Hello and welcome to That Horror Show Podcast. This is our very first episode called That Pilot Episode, Dead Snow is Frozen After 30 Days of Night. I am your host, Tim Kazda, and with me is my PIC, partner in crime, the professor, Christopher Koenig. Hey, what's up? We are recording to you from Studio 300, located in majestic Bolingbrook, Illinois, which is just south of Chicago. So with that being said, we would be remiss if we didn't mention and give a quick shout out to our first podcasting gig. Some of you may or may not have known that we were part of a great group called the Super Evil Vampire Robot Podcast of Doom with three other great guys, Mark, Ken, and Dave. It was a wonderful experience, and I truly believe we learned a lot, didn't we, Chris? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, it was a uh, – yes, it was a learning experience. Um, you know, we've obviously have – well, I don't want to give it away, but yes, when we first did Super Evil – you know, we didn't really have any kind of, I guess you can say, podcast credentials yeah. or anything. We had of, no street cred. Yeah, no, 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 no cred whatsoever. No cred at all in anything at that point. But <laughs> and we still kind of don't. <laughs> yeah, but but I would say, well, let's let's kind of go back for a moment. Super Evil uh, was on for two years, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, originally for the first year it was uh, Mark uh, Mark Rispin, uh, Ken Zuckerman, uh, Dave Rodriguez, uh, Tim Kazda, and myself. Mm-hmm. And then for the next year, it went down to three. Uh, it was Tim, Dave, and me. Uh, and, of course, uh, Mark and Ken went off to do their own show, the uh, Mark and Ken uh, Video, Video Star, Star Podcast, Podcast yes, which is a very good show. I do recommend if anybody out there uh, wants to listen to a podcast that just talks about movies in general, you know, please go check them out. But um, then we had an, a year where it was just the three of us. And then uh, now we've uh, we're on a new year with a completely different. Well, I wouldn't say completely different show. Yes, we are talking about horror movies, but uh, I would say a brand new year where it's just two members. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. D- yes uh, Dave is not with us. I mean, not not for anything bad, but he has yeah. to, uh, uh, you know, just take care of some things and whatnot. And yeah. we won't get into that, but uh, you know, we wish him the best and. Yep. Um, yeah, but right now we're just experimenting. Well, I, well, I'm sorry, let me put it this way: not experimenting, but we're we're trying out a new format, right. a new brand show, and um, you know, this is our pilot episode. We don't know where it's going to go, and hopefully, if things go well, yeah, well, we'll be adding more stuff. Yes, yes, and deleting. Yes. We'll be we'll be we'll be playing it by ear. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That's basically the rule. We're we're playing yeah. it by ear right now, and. Uh, and of course, trying out the new studio location. Yeah. I have to say, yeah. it's uh, you know, I it's majestic. It, it is majestic. <laughs> well, you know, we decided to we decided to build a brand new studio from the uh, barn that we were recording our sound yeah. in. No, I, no, no, the two story outhouse. Yeah, two story outhouse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do miss the two story outhouse. I mean, it had yeah. some quality. Okay, I won't say qualities, but it had something about it. It had a nice view. Yeah, nice view. Yeah, <laughs> but no. In all, in all seriousness, no, we are trying out this. Uh, no, we didn't build this studio. No, we're we're uh, we're trying out this new uh, studio uh, system here, and uh, so far I'm very impressed with it. You know, it sounds like the quality is very good, and uh, it, I mean, for what Super Evil had to work with, yes. I'll just put it this way: what we had to work with was pretty good for the time. Now, with this first episode and hearing how it sounds, uh, I got to be honest, I'm kind of wishing we actually had this on the, on well, the last show. I, trust me, I would I would have loved to have the same thing, but yeah. 
But that's this, that, that's the end of that, and uh, we should move on, Chris. It's 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 healthy. It's it's time to mourn and move on. Yeah. Well, do you think we should? I mean, no. Yes, we, <laughs> we, we should. Yes. I mean, it's it's a it's a brand new year. It's a brand new show. Yeah. Uh, brand new format, and hopefully we will keep this going. Yeah. So, Chris. Other than what we just talked about, what have you been up to for the past two months that we've kind of been away from the recording and podcasting arena? Well, you know, ever since uh, Super Evil closed out, I have been uh, going through periods of homelessness and um, (laughs) uh, money problems. Uh, No, no, absolutely not. I'm not homeless. I I do work. I do work those two jobs. Or if we have any past listeners, those six jobs that Dave called – Claims I'm Jamaican, even though well, uh, you you're know, part Jamaican. Uh, <laughs> you're one third. <laughs> one third, maybe, yeah, maybe one third. But anyways, no, I, I've been working, and um, actually, um, before the closure of uh, Super Evil, I've been uh, sort of uh, just kind of not exactly pursuing this as like a full time thing, but just doing contributing writing. I actually wrote. Um, uh, an article called uh, Horrors from Istanbul, a look at three Turkish cult horrors for a diabolicmagazine.com. That was back in December 16th. And then on December 25th of uh, 2014, I had um, uh, contributed a, a review for a, ni- uh, a, a 1967 uh, Argentinian vampire horror film that I had seen called uh, Blood of the Virgins. It was for a, a paperback issue called Monster. If you want to read it, it's in issue number 12. And then very I cool. yes, yeah, so cool. and then uh, very happy to see it's it's very gratifying to see something that you've written actually make it in print. You know, I mean, it's, well, by all means, plug it away, plug right, it away, right, plug it away. And then I wrote um, three reviews recently uh, in um, uh, this last January for uh, a website called SoundOnSite.com, which does uh, reviews for games and movies and whatnot. Oh. Uh, if you want to know the articles, uh, the first one is called an appreciation for. Uh, uh, classic Turkish melodrama. I review a movie called uh, Metnurkson's Dry Summer, which is a very good drama. I recommend it. Uh, I also reviewed another movie called uh, The Housemaid, an over- which I, which the title of it is called The Housemaid, an overrated film that doesn't live up to its reputation. And then I re- uh, reviewed a uh, recent film called Lovelace, uh, which the, art- the title of that, if you're looking for it, is called Lovelace When Reality is Substituted for Bad Artistic License. So, I mean, um, that's just some of the things I've been doing. And, I, you know, and again, I've just been working and we've been talking about what we're going to do with this show so yes that's what i've been up to uh the past month or so but yes now uh, what about you tim what have you been up to uh, the past uh, month or so well i'm fine chris i'm excited to be here uh long story short i've been binge watching a lot of television shows Uh, (laughs) but right now i'm currently uh playing this really badass video game i don't know if you heard anything about it. it's for ps4 it's called the evil within it's a great game if you like lone survivor or survival horror video games, this is for you. It takes a very cool uh, zombie concept. It's a very cool uh, concept in a zombie uh, genre uh, for video games. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Um, that, you know, just taking care of my two kids who are going crazy and, you know, <laughs> wife's out of town all the time. So it's, 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 it's a lot. Um, but, yeah, working on, working on this, doing all the behind-the-scenes stuff, setting up our um, Facebook page and our Podbean and, all the wonderfulness that goes along with, you know, starting out on our maiden voyage. <laughs> but with that, um, I, you know, this being our maiden voyage, I would like to, you know, kind of briefly run down our top five horror uh, films. Yeah. Uh, um, actually, we, I know what we're going to do. I just wanted to say, though, um, just to kind of, you know, hopefully we do have past uh, Super Evil listeners, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, and just in case we don't, in case we do have new listeners, uh, 
just letting the audi- the new audience know that uh, we are going to go over our top five. Like Tim said, these are these are items. These are our lists that we talked about in our very first episode from two years ago. From so two years ago, yes. And so um, you don't have to search and scrounge. We're just going to yeah, talk yeah. about. Them I mean, again. Or, or if you want to search and scrounge just to see if we say anything different about them, I mean that's fine. But it's just we're making that clear because I mean I am hoping that we do have past listeners listening to us, mm-hmm. and I'm also hoping that we're going to gain new listeners. And I just want to let the past listeners know that, you know, hopefully this doesn't come across as a repeat or anything. We're just doing this because, you know, if we get any new listeners, we want to make, you know, clear where our intentions are, and as well as our love for the genre, too. So Right. No, yeah. and that's completely understandable, and that's kind of why we're doing this. And uh, originally we were going to go, since it's two of us, we were going to go with the top ten, but then we decided to pare it down to top five just for time uh, time restraints. Yes. Um, so we can talk about the meat and potatoes, our main event of the episode, which right, is the right. three films we'll be discussing shortly. Yeah. So, uh, all right, Chris, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, top five? You know what? I will go first. And actually I'm going to start you – know, <laughs> I know this is kind of a joke we used to do, but yes, I'm going to start from the fifth one and then end yeah. it to the first I'm one. I'm so glad you did that because I'm doing the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah. No, no, it's just it, – it's something that we've um, – let's just say that we've had our share of gaffes on Super Evil. And yes, we may have our share of gaffes on this show, but you know, it, it, my theory has always been you just run with it. But yes, as a, as a heads up, I'm going from five to one or starting from five to one. So my – Top five. My, my, my fifth one on the list is Evil Dead, 1982. Uh, you all know the story about this. Five kids go to the woods out in Tennessee, spend the day, a couple of weeks at the cabin, find the Book of the Dead, all hell in shoes. I mean, I, I watched this movie um, many years ago during, uh, I'd say, the late 90s when I was just a young lad, a, a young aspiring uh, moviegoer. That would go to Ma and Pa video stores and just rent movies. What's a Ma and Pa video well, store? Well, <laughs> I mean, just it, it, yes, yes. In case you youngins out there don't know of a Ma and Pa video store, independent video rental stores. You know, we're not talking like you know Family Video, which is still in existence and has become you know the I, only I, one. The only one. Yes, it's it is it is surprising. Family Video has surprisingly outshone um, Blockbuster and you know Hollywood. Video. Remember those places? <laughs> but anyways. What's a blockbuster? Yes, yes. <laughs> Sounds like something for like a Lego or whatever. Yeah. But no, no. But um, during the, my era as a young lad, going to uh, little independent video stores and renting horror movies, sometimes not even knowing what the movie was about, uh, Evil Dead was one of those films. And uh, you know, I, I loved this movie when I first saw it uh, many years ago, back in the late '90s, and I, I love it to this day. I mean, I bought the movie on DVD many times when it was being re-released, you know, from that from Anchor Bay and whatnot. And it's it's a film that and it, it's it's a very inventive film. I mean, we we've talked about Evil Dead in the series on Super Evil in a past episode. If you want to try to find it, um, and I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I, I just find the movie uh, very creative and very inventive, and you know, and and, and it, it's not a, a deeply made. Well, let me put it this way. I, I've said it before when we talked about the Dead series. I said it's the type of film that if you really broke it down, it feels like the dialogue only consists of ten pages. But it doesn't matter because the action fills itself out very well. You know, it is a very bloody and brutal film, and it's what stunned me when I first saw it as a young. And so, it's it's a movie that I still like, and I still like to this day. And then uh, now moving to my number fourth title, uh, it's uh, Black Sabbath, made in 1963, directed by Mario Bava. Yes, one of the classics of. Italian horror from its time. I um, 
I like this movie very much. It's it's part of that type of horror genre known as anthologies, where you know it, it tells you uh, x amount of tales in a single film. Uh, Black Sabbath tells uh, three tales, hosted by Boris Karloff, and Boris Karloff actually uh, plays one of the uh, main character in one of the tales. Uh, it's a very good film. I love it. Very atmospheric. It has uh, Mario Bava's visual styles on it. Uh, his usage of uh, Technicolor photography is excellent. Um, I love this movie so much that I actually bought the uh, the uh, Arrow UK uh, Blu-ray DVD combo, which contains both the Italian and the uh, English language version. Oh, wow. Yeah, which both versions are completely different. I, I used to watch the... Um, the the English dub version of it, and then of course when I saw the Italian version of it uh, many years ago, uh, I like that the Italian version better because it's just it's it's it's, I think it's better made. The English version is good for what it is, but the English version was rescored. They re-edited it. Oh, okay. It, 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 okay. It, I mean, it was it's it's the English version. I will say is a good starting point for it, but in terms of the director's original vision, I think the Italian version is the way to go. But I mean, that's how much I like the movie. I may have to borrow it from you for one day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's Region Two, but if you've got a player that can play Region Two, then you're, yeah, you're, my you're, my PS4 will be able to play. Oh, it. Okay, then then you're good to go. Yeah, <laughs> maybe one day we can do the Mario Bava retrospective. Okay, but, uh, and then the number three on the list is Night of the Living Dead, nineteen sixty eight. Um, Beautiful classic. Oh yeah, uh, my dad showed me this movie. He actually recorded it off TV. Uh, I think he recorded it off TV like in the um, late eighties. I was born eighty four, so I first saw this film probably in. Uh, 96, 97. I mean, in, in, in the version he recorded off television, surprisingly, was a colorized version. Wow. <laughs> I know. Wow. it was, And even back then, I was not impressed with the colorization of it. But, yeah, uh, it's better in black and white. Oh, yes, it is. But it, it, it's, it's one of those classic, you know, independent, do-it-yourself film type things where, you know, George Romero and his buddies were making commercials in Pittsburgh and you know, they said, let's make a feature. Working for public access television. Well, at one point they did that, yeah. But they were doing, like, commercials, and they right. said, let's do, um, let's do, try to do a feature film. And, you know, they their inspiration was from Richard Matheson's uh, I Am Legend. Uh, and it's, you know, and it's an engaging film. I mean, I think it's still an engaging film today, and I think it's a perfect textbook for young filmmakers out there if you ever want to try to make a film. Right, and it's one of those movies, even though it was, like, uh, low budget. Oh, yeah. It, it, it didn't feel like that, at least with the black and white version. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel that way. I mean, it, it it's... Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't. It's not a perfect movie in a lot of sense, but it doesn't matter because it, it, there's something about it that that holds up well and it works. Right. You know, even the most non-perfect films can still hold up, and it's one of those movies. I mean, even I know Romero is, occasionally kind of says that, you know, it's it's not his favorite film, but then it's his first film, so you got to kind of take that into consideration. But the fact that to this day that it holds up very well, it went from one of those, you know, when it was released in the late '60s as being a drive-in movie to being rediscovered in the 70s yeah. and having a lot of television play and theatrical play and then, of course, home video. I mean, it shows you how much that that, that film has survived yeah. the test and, of time. And literally, you can find this movie anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I do advise anybody who, if, if you do find, I mean, obviously, yes, you can find this movie anywhere. But if you do find this movie, try to find a good quality version of it because it's been bootlegged so many times. It's like ridiculous. But Yeah, I remember watching one time it was on YouTube, and I think it's still there. And it's a, actually, that's a pretty good quality. Yeah, yeah. I would advise, though, people staying away from the 30th anniversary uh, DVD. Yes. Uh, that is horrid. Is uh, that the one where they added footage Yeah, they added footage. Yes. Footage with the, it gave you a little backstory of, like, the, the main zombie at the very beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really just sad. It, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, for what they were trying to do, okay, but I, I do recommend staying away from that yeah, as well. It's, yeah, stay away. It's, yes. Just go, go, go with the original. <laughs> uh, 
Now, uh, my second film on the list is Reanimator, 1985, oh, wow. from Stuart Gordon. You know, it, again, going back to the era of a, of a young lad going to home video rental stores, <laughs> uh, I always encountered this movie on the video shelf, and it had the classic poster of uh, Jeffrey Combs, who's in the film, plays, who plays Herbert West, holding up a syringe filled with green glowing fluid, and there's a severed head in a tray pan in front of him and then there's a mysterious uh, person walking up behind him reaching out to him and this cover had always it's kind of funny I had always seen this video cover in every Ma and Pa video story I went to <laughs> but I for some reason never rented it and the only time I ended up seeing it was when it came out for the first time on DVD from Elite Entertainment it was released on DVD in 1998 or 99 somewhere about that at the time, that was actually a very expensive DVD. I think it was going for like 35 40 bucks. Whoa. Well, that was when DVD was in its oh, yeah. early stages. Yeah. And then eventually, when it became knocked down to 19 bucks, then I was like, okay, yeah, I'll buy it. <laughs> so I did, I did actually – yeah, so I did see it when it was on DVD. Uh, and I loved the movie. It was a lot of fun. And it's, it's this – it's a very ridiculous story about a man who found a way to bring the dead back to life. But, of course, when he brings the dead back to life, it's – Things are not quite as uh, successful as one would think, but um, it has a great, just dark humor in it. Um, overly bloody, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it has this great energy to it that you know you could just go back and revisit it. It never it's, again. It's one of those movies that has stood up very well. You never, I never quite, I never tire of it. Uh, it's very well made for the budget that it has. Uh, the acting is good. You know that's another plus. The writing is good too. I mean, it's it's a movie that, um, you know, like I said, it still has this freshness to it that people today are still rediscovering it, you know? It's, yeah. so. and, and it's funny you mention that because, truthfully, I remember you talking about this like a couple years ago, and I remember seeing it in my Netflix, uh, my Netflix queue on my, on my streaming device, and I'm like, huh, I'll give that a shot. And I watched it, and it, is, it really is yeah, good. Yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. I mean, it, it's, it's it, you, you can't take it. Too seriously, because oh no, no, you can never take any horror movie well, seriously. Yeah, but or I mean, too seriously. There's, let's put that there way. is a serious streak in Reanimator, but it, it only comes up, I think, in like the, the the middle and the final half of the movie. It's the beginning in the in the in the halfway in the middle where there is this very sardonic, humorous edge to it, but then it starts getting serious as the story progresses. It's kind of like Return of the Living Dead, where uh, you know, in, in that film, uh, they make a joke about how the Night of the Living Dead was based off of a true story, and of course, you know, it's all a joke, and then it's all humorous, and then it, it breaks the rules of the zombie genre, but then as the movie progresses, it starts getting just a little bit serious in its, in its, its storyline. And that's kind of the same way with Reanimator, in my opinion. And then the first title on the list, yes, we've approached the first. Number one with a bullet? The number one with a bullet, yes. It's Psycho, 1960, Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, I know, every horror fan, every thriller fan, every movie fan places this movie on the top of the list. And there's, there's a good reason it, for it. There's a good reason for it. It's because it is a very genuinely good film and it holds up very well. It is a classic. It's even if even if let's say someone that has watched this film with fresh eyes today and doesn't quite see what's special about it. Uh they will I'm willing to bet they would still sit and say, "Okay, I don't quite see what's great about it, but it still holds up well and it's still a good movie." I, however, am the one who holds this movie in high regard. It is an excellent film. It is an excellent textbook on how to create a very moody, um, 
a horror thriller with a storyline that's um, I, it's just it's just a film that really works. It's one of those that if you look, I, I'm willing to bet if you look at it on paper, it's one of those man, this probably wouldn't work. But because Alfred Hitchcock plans it out very well, he stages it very well, he makes all the elements come together. It works because of the vision that he puts into it, and it still holds up. And I still like the film very much, and that's why it's number one on the list. I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> okay, well, that brings it to moi. <laughs> yes, yes. Tim, uh, what what do you uh, have on your oh, list, sir? Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Uh, mine, I'll, I'll start with number five as well. Uh, Friday the 13th, the 2009 reboot. Now, Ooh. I'm a huge fan of the original franchise. I know some of you may groan at it being in my number five slot or even being on a top ten list anywhere. But just hear me out for a second. <laughs> this film, to me, perfectly encompasses basically the first three or four of the original films, uh, giving us a little backstory and a little history in about the first five minutes. And then, boom, we're off to a new adventure sent back at Camp Crystal Lake in the surrounding town where it all started. In my opinion, Jason is as most brutal here, and the first 20 minutes involving the kids camping is insanely cool and intense. If you hadn't had a chance to check out the franchise or check out this um, video or movie, uh, do so. I know you may be a little apprehensive, but you'll be guaranteed you'll you'll, be, you'll you'll like it. It's in my personal opinion, it's one of the best of the franchise. Um, now, number four, <laughs> this is a little embarrassing, but it's Dead Snow from two thousand nine. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I I just had to yeah. had to laugh because so, we are going to be talking. Yeah. So about again, we'll be talking about this movie shortly, so there's no need to discuss it any further right now. God damn it, Tim! <laughs> <laughs> okay. That brings us to number three, The Orphan from 2007. Ooh. Now, this is a great understated little thriller slash uh, thriller slash slasher film. <laughs> well, that's hard to say. A husband and wife who recently lost their baby adopt a nine-year-old girl who is not as innocent as she claims to be. Now, this is a very intense movie not to be confused with a similar title film called The Orphanage. Mm. I, I would highly recommend checking this one as well. Now, going to number two... Um, one of my personal favorites, uh, Jaws from 1975 is my absolute favorite film of all time, or one of my absolute favorites. Ah, uh, yes, the shark movie. Yeah, <laughs> you've heard of it. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> I'm sorry, you. I'm not to interrupt, but yeah. you remind me of a coworker of mine. She, um, she could never quite get her vowels correct, so she would say. Have you seen that movie Jaw? And I go, oh. what? Well, I never heard of that one. <laughs> like the Jaws. Like, is that oh, a prequel? Jaws. Uh, sorry, go as ahead. in plural. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, so th- this is one of my absolute favorite films of all time. It's a classic Moby Dick tale of a man versus beast that's rich in cinematic history, uh, cinematic story, and texture. Uh, each of the characters are wonderfully thought out, and the acting and directing and editing is some of the very best I've seen. It's highly recommended. Now, my number one with the bullet, Chris, it's Psycho. Oh, yeah. 1960. Hey, hey. Yeah, we, we had this discussion before. Yeah, we do have something in common yeah. after all. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by the master of suspense, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock, starring Anthony Perkins as Norman, ba- Norman Bates, not Norma. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I believe this is classified as a first slasher type film. Uh, there's really not much to say considering we've already just talked about it. If you haven't seen it, my question is to be why? <laughs> so... That's my list. So, you know, you mentioned uh, the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Yeah, I'll be honest, I haven't seen that. But um, from the way how you describe it, it sounds like it should be called the New Adventures of Jason Voorhees. Because <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Some people didn't like it because there's like a, a tunnel system involved underneath the camp. But I'm like, I truthfully, the way the whole franchise has gone from good 
looked bad to worse. This reboot well, kind of brought it back to the original. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, not to veer off subject yeah. here, but, you know, I mean, it's that's the thing about franchises and, and, and series is that they want to try to keep they want to try to keep going with oh, yeah. the story. And Friday the 13th, it was a very successful uh, successful series right. for, for Paramount Pictures. So obviously they're not going to sit back and say, Let, well, yes, that's a good idea. Let's not do sequels. But at the same <laughs> time, it's, it's, there's only – I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Friday the 13th. Right. So, well, that's fine. But it's just – there's only so much they could do with those. I mean, right. some of, and some of the sequels are pretty fun. Some of them kind of right. get a little well, – you know, and, and truthfully, that's with any franchise. It, it, as soon as you yeah. get to a point, it, it, it kind of needs to stop. And just be forgotten about for a yes. while. Yes. Well, yeah, and and, and um, I should probably check out the the remake because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I really don't think it'd be disappointed. I know it's it's it falls into it's one of those films that you either fall into the camp where you really like it or you really hate it. Well, pretty much like the original series. <laughs> pretty, pretty much like pretty much almost any or film. any series. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I heard people talk about not liking Cabin in the Woods, which is another great horror film. Well, you know, yeah, and that's funny. I, I liked Cabin in the Woods. It yeah. was It was fun. I can't say it's my favorite because I think that. I think Cabin in the Woods had some good intentions to it mm-hmm. that I that I that I admired about it. I just think that even though I enjoyed its finale, the final half right. of the film, because the last it, like ten well, minutes or yeah, fifteen minutes, because it kind of did the one thing that I didn't think they'd do, and they just go batshit crazy, and they, right. uh, you know, I almost got the feeling that they threw the script out and just said, anytime fucking, you can put a unicorn in there and have him kill yeah, somebody, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. amazing, or or, 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 <laughs> or or the whole running gag involving I want to see a merman or whatever, but, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, I just kind of thought that the film sort of um, got a little too contrived for its own good. I'm not saying I hated the movie. The movie was fun for what it was. Yeah. But, you know... That's the point. It's, that's, I think people were looking at it as... This, this was Josh or Josh taking a, a satirical look at yeah, the Yeah, Josh Whedon taking yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't quite work. I mean, when they were kind of going through the rules of the horror genre, it was like... I was kind of sitting there going, yes, those are the rules for the horror genre for mm-hmm. any slasher film involving teens. Right. Okay. Well, it's kind of like, like Scream, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, It's like there are other horror genres out there. There's gothic horror. There's supernatural horror. I mean, and they and they do try to throw those things in there, too. Right. So, it, but it, it's – I also kind of wish that they kind of went all the way. I thought they were, there were some missed opportunities. I felt. But, but maybe one day we'll do a Cabin in the Woods review. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Well, anyway, with that, let's get to our, the main event of our episode, Chris. Uh for this episode, we reviewed three winter horror-themed movies because we are in Chicago. We're in the midst of a deep freeze. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, if you, oh, if we're recording this on February 15th, 2015, and we just – in the last couple of weeks, we've got 14.4 inches of snow, and yes. Boston and New York are getting hammered right yes. now with and, snow. And, and in case we have listeners who live in warmer climates um, – be thankful you yes, are. Yes, be th- yes, be thankful that you are. It's seven it's, degrees out right now. <laughs> yes, it's it's not fun to go outside in your driveway and shovel. Um, you know how many inches was that again? Fourteen point four in Bolingbrook, Illinois. Four yeah. inches of snow. God, I broke I, my shovel. Oh, you broke your shovel. I think I broke my back, but that's, <laughs> you know, actually, you know, it's funny. I did break my shovel, and I probably broke my back, but that's that's another story from another time. But yes, we we decided for this first pilot episode. Why not do something, you know, I guess you could say um, a, a winter season-themed. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, you sit there and you think to yourself, man, what, what, what can we do? And then we look outside and we see it snowing outside and 14 inches of snow. And I go, light bulb. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> and then we just turn to each other and we go, you know, is there a, um, are there horror movies that take place in the snow? And then, of mm-hmm. course, 
we realize to ourselves, by Christ, there are. There are quite a few. <laughs> There's quite a few, actually. So we yes. narrowed it down to three. Yes. We did 30 Days of Night, uh-huh. Dead Snow, and Adam Green's Frozen, yes. not to be confused with Disney's Frozen. Yes, I was going to say, uh, in case anybody listening to this hears us talk about Frozen, and if you're familiar with the Disney film Frozen, uh, it's good that we let you know about that because you'd probably be shocked about right. the film we're talking let, let, about. Let me tell you, that's one mistake you only make once. Yes, once, yes. <laughs> oh, jeez. So um, what we're going to do, just to kind of – well, let's set this up first. Um, hopefully in later episodes we'll be doing you know more stuff in regards to reviews like uh, talking general stuff, right, right Tim? Just yeah, yeah, sure. that, yeah. But right now we're kind of starting it off simple and easy. You know, we, we're going to we, we, ease into Yeah, the, yeah, we're going to ease into this. We, we firmly believe in just letting it roll and letting it – and just going hey, with it. And, soft, sweet, and slow is our Logan. Oh, yes, yes. And um, – <laughs> So we're going to review uh, – we're going to talk about these three films in year-date order. So with that said, uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my – I actually have my papers here in case you – yeah, there we go. Yeah. You hopefully heard it. Um, I have uh, taken the time to type out my plot synopsis for the three films. I hope you enjoy them. Um, so with that said, we're going to break into the first one, which is 30 Days of Night. But first, Chris, we need to roll that trailer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, we have well, to. You, you know, two what? months God off, Chris, and you yes, forget yes. it. Yes, Well, I was so, almost for that period. <laughs> Chris, Anyways, let's roll that trailer. All right, all right. Let me just thread that up there and start. Wow. Yes, riveting. Riveting, yes. All right, Chris, now please start with your wonderful plot synopsis of 30 Days of Night. Yes, yes. 30 Days of Night, made in 2007, uh, written by Steve Niles, Stuart Beatty, and Brian Nelson, uh, based on the comic by Steve Niles and and Ben Templesmith, and directed by David Slade. 30 Days of Night takes place in the small town of Barrow, which is located in Alaska, just on the Arctic Circle. 
the townsfolk are prepping themselves for the annual 30 Days of Night, which consists of the town being enshrouded in darkness for 30 days straight with no sunlight. Uh, in order to escape from the boredom of living 30 days in complete darkness, the majority of the townsfolk head for other places south, placing the town in the protective hands of Sheriff Eben Olson, played by Josh Hartnett. During this time, a mysterious stranger, played by Ben Foster, rows ashore from a large ship trapped in ice and heads for Barrow. Uh, as the residents proceed to evacuate from the town, Sheriff Olson is called to investigate some you know, strange incidents that have occurred. Uh, first, Olson finds the town's cell phones have been burned, uh, the town's one and only helicopter has been sabotaged, and all the sled dogs have been slaughtered. Uh, but that's not the worst of it. Olson's marriage with his wife, Stella, played by Melissa George, is seriously on the rocks. Now, I want oh, you to, she's so hot. Oh, yes. But, but I want you to say something about this. Destroyed cell phones, dismantled helicopters, dead huskies, and now a marriage problem? I mean, this sheriff can't catch a break. Eventually, so eventually the mysterious stranger arrives at the town's diner and proceeds to freak everybody out, leading Sheriff Olson to place the weirdo under arrest. But despite being handcuffed and placed in a jail cell, it doesn't stop the stranger from letting Olson know that death is coming for them. In this case, quote, death, unquote, being the form of vampires, dressed in normal human attire and speaking in an unidentifiable foreign language who seek the sustenance of human blood. And Barrow is the perfect location for them since the sun will not be present for 30 days and thus not interfere with their daily feeding. The vampires, led by Marlowe, played by Danny Houston, attack and chow down on the remaining locals trapped in the town. It's up to Sheriff Olison, Stella, and a few survivors to escape from the vampire's wrath and find some way to combat Marlowe and his gang of bloodsuckers. Uh, you know, it's um, it's kind of funny. I I, I was um, when I was watching this, mm-hmm. the whole thing involving the collecting of the cell phones was right. I. I I kind of have to laugh thinking about it in hindsight because it's like if this mysterious guy or the vampires collected all these cell phones, mm-hmm. how are they able to get all – I mean it, it's just so weird. It yeah. was kind of weird. There, 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 there are some there, – there are, there are plot holes. Let's just yeah, put yeah, it that yeah, way. Yeah, there are uh, – you know, we'll get into that obviously. But it's I, – I, I will be honest. I had never seen this film. Mm-hmm. So this was my first viewing of it. Okay. And uh, I mean I'm going to be honest. It's not my favorite. Yeah, I think it's decent. Um, I, I am going to have to put Josh Hartnett in the penalty box. For being, <laughs> oh, fry <for> sticking? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I've never been impressed by him as an actor or as a performer in any film, and I think this film doesn't exactly show a, a great performance. No, from him. he does okay. I, yeah, I, I'll come. I, like, I, I will. I will say he appears a little bit wooden. Yes. Oh, he does. Like but, when he says the, the the bit where he's like. It was a line in there where they he says, they ask, wow, this is strange about the whole cell phone. Right. And he just says very woodenly, yeah, it's probably just teenagers playing it. And I'm like, what's making you come to that conclusion? And the line delivery of that is just so awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's more of a, a writing issue. Yes, but it yeah, is. It yeah. is yeah. But, uh, you know, they always have to have throwaway lines just so they can kind oh, of yeah, make things yeah, fit, yeah. you know. It's it's. Look, I'm I'm not trying to trash it. Oh yeah, no, no. And, and I'm Please try- continue. Uh, no, no. no uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to remember: is there a uh, is there a sequel to this too? Because there, I never there saw are it. A, actually like two sequels, which <laughs> direct to video, which we all know what that means. Yes, yes. And <laughs> I, I when I was when I was looking up different trailers to, to, to for for our show, I actually ran across uh, the sequel, which is the Darker Days or something like that. 
and I'm watching it, and it's one of the, one of the surviving um, uh, townspeople that she's now going to this other town for some sort of conference or something or other. I don't know. It, it, it didn't hold my attention, so I wasn't really paying attention. Um, <laughs> but it just it looked awful because basically she says that she's the lone survivor of Barlow, which at the end of the movie, you know that there was at least half the town still alive. Yes, yes. Um, so right there, that just kind of made me tune out because I was like, you know what? I, 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 I liked – I didn't love um, 30 Days of Night. I liked it. Um, when I first saw it, because this is like my third time seeing it, when I first saw it, I hated it. Um, <laughs> and there are – I have a couple of bones to pick with it as well. Um, for one thing, I didn't like the, 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 the vampires the way they were portrayed. I didn't like the, the Celtic language or whatever yeah, kind of language you were using. Yeah, that got a little, um, yeah, a little much. And, and, the, and the vampires, they didn't act or move like vampires you ever saw before. They almost acted like banshees almost. The way they like yelled and screamed and kind of like just kind of like kind of flapped around. I mean. Yeah. Well, actually, let's talk about for a moment here. And this is one of the things that was kind of throwing me off. It's the, the it actually has a, a, a pretty good setup. I like the idea that where it takes place. And I like yeah. No. The, yeah. The that is completely inventive to me. The problem that I kind of had with it was that and maybe this is a case where you know, because this is based off of a, as the credits say, based off of a comic series. Right. You know, maybe you'd have to read the comics, but unfortunately, I have not read the comics. Neither have I. <laughs> and I'm certain there are some audience out there who have not read the comic books. Right. And one of the main rules that I'd say, if you're making a movie based off of a comic book, is never assume that the entire audience has read one mm-hmm. or, re- or read the series, because when we're introduced to the mysterious stranger, mm-hmm. he comes from the boat that's trapped in the ice out there. Right. Obviously, letting us obviously later we can deduce the fact that the vampires came on that ship. Right. Okay, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, like how did these vampires come to be, and how did they get on that ship? And right, how did there's they some, get some out backstory. There? You're saying yeah. you need a little backstory. Yeah, you need a backstory for this, and I don't know if the sequels go into it. If they do, that's the problem that I have with it. Is I, I shouldn't. I'm not saying whether the sequels are good or bad because I haven't seen them, so right. I can't speak for them. But what I can say is that if you're going to make a film, you have to at least give a, some kind of backstory for it and not try to play it off like if it's successful, we'll explain it in the sequel. I know that's what some people want to do, and that's become a commonplace thing now, but really it's like – Yeah, and you can, you can kind of do that with like let's say television like The Walking Dead because you have more Oh, yeah. Time. You have and, a series yeah. going. Yeah. The, the, this – you have like 90 minutes and it's got – and you got to put everything you have into those – every minute that you oh, have yeah. on screen. Every minute counts and, and you're sitting here and, and like I said, it's got a good setup. I like the location of it. I, I like the atmosphere of it. Yeah. And, I, when I first saw it, I thought it was very inventive and very like oh, – um, yeah. This this could actually like be something really kind of cool and unique, and it, it was. I love the whole setup for it. Um, again, with the whole like you mentioned the cell phones and stuff like that. That that's kind of yeah, far fetched. I, well, I mean, and I know why they do because they want to cut off the communication, right, right? But it just feels like you know. And again, it's like one of those. Did the mysterious guy collect the phones, or was it the vampires, or whatever? Right. And obviously, and obviously, some will right. probably say that that's not an issue, but it probably isn't. But I'm just saying, like right. the setup for. The calamity that's going to happen in regards to those items, yeah. it just feels like there's issues with that. There's writing issues behind it. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that didn't quite hold my interest, largely because I didn't think the writers did much with it, was the whole uh, background with Josh Hartnett and um, 
um, Melissa, um, I'm sorry, Melissa George's character, Stella. Yeah, Stella. Their marriage, you know, be, yeah, trouble in paradise. Yeah. But um, yeah, he kind of got like, like he wanted to start a family, and she, yeah, or, you know, she wanted to start a family, and he didn't, or yeah. so, something along those but lines. But it just it didn't feel like it worked for this movie because, it, it, like, it it's there to help establish their characters a little more, give them something to do, and that's fine. But I felt like the material that went with it was kind of stale. Like, like you said, he, they wanted he wanted to start the family and everything. It's like Jesus, we, God damn it, we we've seen these types of plot pro, plot issues before. I mean, it, it felt like it really wasn't needed to tell you the truth. Yeah, like, uh, yeah they they kind of it was a kind of extra padding that didn't need to be. Yeah, there. yeah. Like I, I mean, yeah, it, it's it was probably there to give the characters a little more depth. But the problem was is that even the fact that it was there, I didn't really see these characters being anything more than one-dimensional characters. You know, Josh Hartnett is the young sheriff mm-hmm. who's got to control this town, you know, with the remaining people that are there. Right. And then, uh, you know, Melissa George is like, uh, you know, the, the wife that's kind of in the way, and right. he's got the responsibility towards her, and, and she's just kind of there, and it's like, it, it, it's there for filler. I understand that, but I really wish that they would try to do something else with it than just make it a story about their marriage like in the tank <laughs> you know right. it's just you know right. well i will say this that i i really enjoyed uh i really i really like ben foster as an actor and his portrayal of the stranger is just creepy but he's really good at those kind of like creepy oh, yeah. roles yes he was um i would say his character was the most it was i won't say the most interesting but his was more like i wish there was more of him i thought they dispatched his character a little right. too quickly and he and you got that vibe that he was um if you if you harken back to the dracula like he was um Ren, was it Renquist or um, the, the the gentleman that was helping the Dracula and the vampires? And yeah, stuff like oh that. Renfield, Renfield. Renfield. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah, go, yeah, Renfield. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Renquist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Renfield. Renquist, well, whichever. It's some name. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but he, he had that Renfield vibe. Like he was he was trying to get accepted so he could so the oh, the, yes, the leader yes. could you know turn him and he could be one of the pack or right, the group. Right, right. And then of course they just they kill just, him off. Yeah. You know? By the way, folks, just in case if you've never listened to Severpod, it's, yes. We do a lot of spoilers on here. And it's following through with that horror show podcast. Yes. So, truthfully, this movie came out in 2007. So, if you haven't seen it, we're not really spoiling it too much for you. Right, right, (laughs) right. But in case you're going to go, ah, come on, guys. Look, we've done this quite a while. So, we're kind of getting tired of giving the warning out. But, anyways, (laughs) this is a spoiler free or spoiler heavy uh, show. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and, and, um, the uh, the big the, the finale where um, and again yes yeah, spoiler heavy coming up here but anyways that uh, Josh Josh Hartnett's character decides to use the um, vampire's blood to make him on their level but uh, try to defeat the uh, lead bad guy and that's another thing too you know okay so the lead bad guy played by um, uh, Danny Houston uh, yeah. his character's name is Marlo. Um, Again, this is another thing. If you're going to have a stale good guy, I think you should have an interesting bad guy. And and the bad guy in this is not very interesting. He's yeah. very – he does a lot of roaring, yeah. a lot of heavy talking. A lot of foreign, clicking with his like – Yes, in, in, a, in, a, <laughs> in a foreign language. There's yeah. nothing really interesting about his character and it's it, – it, oh, and, and okay, yes, it's a horror film about vampires, okay. But anyways – I was kind of hoping that his character would be given something more. But well, considering he's the leader, yes. Yeah, he's the leader, yes. But all he does is, you know, roar, uh, 
show his fangs, the, the clicking of the teeth, and uh, talking in a foreign language. Mm. There's and, and it's like and again, this is where I've said I said there's no setup in regards to their background because I'm sitting here going, okay, there's going to be something where they're, I'm, I'm sitting here hoping they're going to inject something about their background and you know why this guy is a leader and everything, <coughs> and um, they just don't and is and it's just not interesting. I mean. It, I don't know. Maybe I was hoping for a lot more with this movie. Yeah. Well, but, see, I uh, think when I first saw it, I was going in with really high expectations. <laughs> and then a few years later, I, I revisited the film, and I'm like – I went in with the expectations knowing that it should be kind of low. And I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more. Again, it's not my favorite movie. Yeah. yeah. But it's not a horrible movie. I mean, yeah. per se. And Well, and, and then um, – but the whole thing with Josh Hartnett figuring out how to use the vampire's blood and inject it into him, and, and then he becomes invincible like them, and he fights them. And right. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I, I was kind of on the fence on that big finale. I thought it was okay. Yeah. It just didn't quite. What? And I, I'll tell you what I did like. And um, again, spoiler. Um, the ending is not what. You, well, when I first saw it, it, was not what you'd expect. Yeah. I mean. Because it's a darker ending. Um, mm-hmm. Josh Hartnett, you know, or uh, uh, Ed Eben, yeah, Eben um, yeah. injects himself with the vampire blood, so he effectively becomes a vampire. The closing scene is where he's watching his son come up with his with his wife, his estranged wife, and he dies, or you know, you know, it's burnt up and you know, dust. And yeah, he dust. burns up because he uh, yeah. decides to sacrifice himself in the sunlight right. and everything. Yeah. And it actually is a. It's it was a fi- kind of a sad scene. Yeah. It's a fitting ending, and that's why I couldn't understand why they would make a sequel without... But, well, and yeah, and that's the thing, too, because once when Hartnett's character uh, defeats Marlowe, yeah. then, of course, you know, you know, the 30 days are up, and the sun's coming out, and the vampires all just leave. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, wait a minute, wait, 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 there should be this big finale where the sun comes up, and they all roast. They all, they all, <laughs> yeah, they all roast. Yeah, they all roast, but no, they all just leave, and I'm like... It's almost well, like that's because there's a, there's a sequel. <laughs> I know, no, no, but I mean, it was almost like they left when the director said, "Cut, that's a wrap. You okay. can go." And everybody it's go like, home. Yeah, everybody go home. But, Checks in the mail. <laughs> right, right. But it's, I mean, it's not a bad movie. I didn't hate it. No. I didn't love it either. But and no. I and I and like I said, I like the location. The location reminded me of John Carpenter's The Thing. Right. Yeah, and that was another thing. That, yeah. that, that was one film we were, we were, we were, Chris and I were both kicking around doing, but yeah. we were going to save that for maybe a, a Carpenter retrospect yeah. later on down the line. But I will say the one thing visually that I did not, I did not like about uh, Three Days Night, and it's something that I've seen very often, and pardon me, folks, if this is technical, but I'm sorry, it's the best I can muster, is the whole film, when it's in darkness, it just feels like it's been shot with this day for night filter, and the colors are muted and everything. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, I got that same feeling. You and know? I'm just like, you know, I mean, I know it's supposed to be nighttime and everything, but you know, the, like like the thing, whenever yeah. anything takes place at night in the thing, it doesn't feel like yeah. they shot it that way. It feels it's more natural and everything. And I think they were trying to rely on the technique of, you know, just muting all the colors and um, and, and muting the imagery in, in, in Thirty Days Night. I didn't think it worked well for it. Yeah. It just felt like everything was too gray and too dank. And some will argue, well, that's the point of it when it's yeah. taking place in Alaska. But I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not going well, well, I'm so glad. Before we wrap up our, our review of 30 Days of Night, I've, I've got, as, some, as you realized maybe from our, our previous show, I, I do some fun facts for each of the um, movies that we review. So before we say, should we put the final nail in the coffin of 30 Days of Night? Yeah, get that nail in. Uh, yeah. 
Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> um, fun facts. Uh, Josh Hartnett did his own stunts, and uh, most of George DeMosa still is driving. Wow. I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think he did his own stunts. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, again, this is bringing up what you just said. Most of the night shots were shot during the day using day-for-night process. Ah, oh, jeez. I and, knew it. Now, according to uh, David Slade, the veteran uh, veteran director Sam Raby was was slated to direct the film, but, but when the script was in the earliest stages, Raby opted to produce it instead. So he was a producer yes, got credit I on that. I think I remember that story too. Yeah. Now, funny. and according to the DVD commentary, Josh Hartnett was sick with mono for two weeks during the filming. So maybe that's why he was wooden. Oh, <laughs> you know what? You know what? That could be. But I, I don't know. I, not to get off subject yeah. on that. I know you're. Yeah. But, just every performance I've seen Josh Hartnett give just feels very – Well, he's had mono for a while. Very, well, it's been too long as far as I'm concerned. But every performance he's given is like dry and just I – mean, I have nothing – I mean he feels like he's one of those good old boy characters. I have no problem yeah. with that. But yeah. he just feels like he's just unmotivated. If you – I dare you. I dare you, audience members. It's not a horror film, but I dare you to endure his oh, performance. Of do Pearl, not say it in Pearl Harbor. Oh come on! I dare you to endure it. <laughs> no one's performance in Pearl Harbor was great. Oh, it was not. But I mean, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, I dare you. I dare you. If you, I mean, if you, I dare you to just watch him in that for two hours and try to tell me, try to tell me if his performance is endearing at all in that, because it's not. And I know everybody else's performance is not endearing in that movie either, but it's Michael Bay and we all know that. But as I put a leash on Chris, I'm going to have to pull you back. Hold on. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. Okay. Just, that, no, that movie just but, still angers me, and I paid to see it in the theater too. We but, all did, Chris. We all I know did. we all did, okay. Uh, well, anyway, during that time, he had to fly back to Venice, to London, to New York, and Los Angeles for the premiere of The Black Dahlia. From 2006. Now, I've got some factual errors for you, Chris, which you might be interested oh, in. Because factual, we, love, we love factual errors. Factual errors. <laughs> now, the first one is the sign for Barlow lists a population at 563. The town actually has more than 4,000 people. Wait a minute. Now, you know what? That's – okay. Interesting interesting mistake there. Yeah. But I wonder who's really counting that mistake because I never I, I never really thought about that. Yeah, neither did I. But it was one of those things where I was researching for the film and I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. And that sounds very IMDb trivia here. Yeah, Am I th- this is. Uh, this uh, yes. is. Yes, all right. This is. Right. Well, that and I was watching also the, the commentary for the – not the DVD, not the commentary so much, but the, the special features too. Yeah. Did they point that out too? I was like, they, uh, they, they didn't do that, but they actually did film it in New Zealand. Oh, in an outside soundstage almost. It was like okay. a covered soundstage. So. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. I mean, I was watching some of it, and it's pretty interesting. It, the, do- the documentaries are kind of more interesting than the, the movie, movie itself. itself. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says that everyone was eager to get the last flight out before the airport closes down for 30 days. Now, the airport may close occasionally for storms, but never shuts down for 30 days. Mm. Alaska Airlines flies to Barlow at least once a day all year. <laughs> um also, Alaska has no sheriffs. All law enforcement is handled by a municipality police, uh, a borough police, uh, the Alaska State Police. The North Slope Borough Police Department handles law enforcement for borough. Hmm. That's interesting. I and then finally, in the film Barrow, um, the film Barrow, the, uh, in the film Barrow is the bright and sunny one day and then completely dark for the next 67 days. Hmm. In, in reality, the days get shorter and shorter until the sun no longer appears over the horizon. Twilight appears every day between noon and 4 p.m. But throughout the whole movie, it's completely dark. (laughs) Until the sun once again peeks out over the horizon. So I can kind of see what they were doing for the film because it would just aesthetically it would be 
much more intimidating to have these like creatures roam around oh, yeah, 24-7 yeah. for well, you know 30 days. And folks, this is a horror movie. No yeah. one's really paying attention to those accuracies. Again, <laughs> again, yeah, these are factual errors, but there was just something that I kind of that kind of made me chuckle. So it, it kind of reminds me of when um, they made going back to the uh, top five list, Reanimator. Mm-hmm. They were talking about uh, this the scene in Reanimator with David with actor David Gale where he gets decapitated and he's brought back to life with his head. And he's talking, and mm-hmm. someone told the the director, the producer, you, you do realize that in order for the head to talk, the voice would, box. Well, no, it would have to be connected to the lungs <laughs> and the blood to the brain. And they said, "Hey, look, in this movie, heads can talk." Okay, if no, if if someone knows that in the audience, not everybody knows that in the audience. And if they did, all right, we would lose them. But nobody all knows that. <laughs> yeah. Again. It- if if you start nitpicking at every little thing, yeah. you, you lose the fun. I mean, of this is the not movies. this is not a history movie like Braveheart, where the yeah. history in that movie is just awful. But anyways, or, or, or the Patriot, or the Patriot. Yes, yes, yes. How in God's name could um, uh, Mel Gibson have uh, won the Revolutionary War and shot General Cornwallis and come back? <laughs> Wait, didn't George Washington uh, take Cornwallis prisoner? At the, oh. I, Jesus, oh, never Chris, mind. Chris, you're making my head hurt. Let's I, go on. I, okay. I, okay, okay, so <laughs> we're gonna put a bow on this. Um, uh, for for thirty days of night and uh, say farewell. Yes. Now, well, well, should we um, should we just say? I mean, do we recommend? Do we well, say give it passing grade? F- well, for me, it gets a passing grade of like a C plus. Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, you know, I, I can't. I don't hate it. It's not a complete failure in my eyes. Yeah. But there is there's some major plot holes and there's some major issues that I you know right. that I, mean, I don't I, like. I'll say it's worthy of watching on like a rainy day or yeah. or, or in this or case a, a winter day. day. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's not great. I, like I said, didn't love it, didn't hate it as yeah. much as I thought I would. But it's uh, – it's, I'll say it's it's worth a rental if you can rent it cheap. So Yeah. Yes. And guaranteed you probably could find it for next to nothing. Oh, yes, yes. So yes. with that, um, we will progress into Dead Snow. And since this is a foreign film from Norway, all the trailers I could find were obviously – Norwegian language, uh, yes. the Norwegian language with English subtitles, so that really wouldn't work for a podcast. Yeah, so we had so, to ditch that. So why don't we just get on with your synopsis of uh, Dead Snow from 2009, Chris? Absolutely. Okay, Dead Snow, made in 2009, yes, from Norway, uh, directed by Tommy Werloka and written by Tommy uh, Workola and Stigfrod Heinrichsen. Um, I'll take your word for it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Dead Snow takes place in Norway around the snowy mountain region of Oxfjord. Uh, it is night, and a young woman is running around in snow as she is being chased by a zombie assailant dressed in World War II Nazi regalia. What? Um, she trips, falls, and is quickly dispatched in classic zombie movie fashion via being eaten alive. Ah, just another wild night in Norway, okay? <laughs> so, the next day, seven medical students, four guys, three girls, arrive in Oxford. Kinky. Yes. <laughs> They arrive in Oxford to spend their Easter vacation in a cabin up in the mountains. Uh, once they arrive, the students spend the day frolicking in the snow, drinking some generic beer with labels like Arctic beer, and <laughs> hinting at some possible sexual liaisons. But uh, In a horror movie, Kristen? Yes, yes. Shut your mouth. Right, right. right. <laughs> but So they continue the party till the wee hours of the night until a mysterious stranger shows up to break up the fun. So after drinking some coffee, which he singles out as being terrible, and proceeds to drink a single <laughs> bottle of the student's Pilsner beer, the stranger informs them about Oxford's local history. You know, like, um, did you know that back during World War II, Oxford was under control of Nazi Germany through the iron grip of Colonel Herzog and his vicious soldiers? Uh, you know, you didn't know that. Well, did you also know that the people of Oxford 
banded together and chased Herzog and his soldiers up into the mountains, and Herzog and his soldiers were never seen again. Well, the students didn't know that, and after the stranger tells his story, he then leaves them to their own devices. So the next day, one of these students leaves on a snowmobile to find his girlfriend, who is supposed to meet him once they arrive at the cabin. Sarah, where is Sarah? Yes, I wonder who that girl was. Um, (laughs) While he's off looking for his chick, the remaining group stays behind (laughs) at the cabin, and they happen to find an old wooden box which contains such interesting valuables like gold jewelry and old coins dating back to 1940s. So eventually, the group is attacked by a bunch of those zombie German soldiers thirsty for human flesh and blood. Crikey. Yes, as limbs are cut off, guts are yanked out, and yes, brains are exposed. The last survivors of the group must combat the zombie forces led by the undead Colonel Herzog. Yeah! No, anyways. (laughs) um, So, you know, I had never seen this film, too, so uh, Tim mentioned it. I know Tim, you talked about it a yeah. couple times. It's it's one of my favorites. So be be so, gentle. Uh, well, uh, okay, I, I I rent I well you you yeah I, I lent it to you. Yes. You kindly lent it to me, and I watched it. I watched it, and it's original. Actually, came in two versions. Came with the English dub and the, the version with Norwegian with subtitles. I watched the one with Norwegian and subtitles. I didn't even know I had that. Yeah, did, <laughs> you didn't. Uh, I, I always watch it with the subtitles. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh well, it's, no, it's got the Norwegian track on it. So yeah. So of course the acting is you know better for that. Yeah. Um. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know, really know what to make of this film to tell you the God's <laughs> honest truth. I, I, I see the passion behind it. Right. I see the passion that the film's director, Tommy Wakola has for it. I definitely see that he is a horror film fan. The, the movie nerd in the film, he's wearing a T-shirt for Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, also yeah. known as Dead Alive in the United States. Yes. For those of you who, who are listening to this in the United States, don't know what that title is. But anyways... Yeah. And I, I see, I see the love for the horror genre in it. The problem that I really have with this movie, despite the fact that I did have fun with it, mm-hmm. is there's just a lot of moments where things are just thrown in there, like the whole, like yes, okay, the stranger tells them about Colonel Herzog right. and the soldiers taking away, like like stolen goods and stuff right. up into the mountains, okay. But then once these kids find this old box in, in in the cabin that has all these coins and stuff, I'm like, so what's the point of this? Are, are, are the right. soldiers coming back for this or what? Is there any kind of, yeah. you know, it's not explained. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like later on that you find out that that it's the yeah. Nazi gold and that oh, they yeah, yeah. But, they, but un, unwillingly released them. Yeah, but, the, well, unwillingly released them. The... Uh, the Nazi, the Nazi zombies are already unwillingly well, released. Yeah, yeah. They're already half of the well, movie. Uh, I should say attacked. Let's say, let's say. Yeah, they already attack in the first yeah. scene of the movie. <laughs> but it's, I mean, like I said, I, I don't know. I, I didn't hate this movie. Right. And I didn't love it. So, but I'm very on the fence with it because, I, I think, part of the problem is that, and I'm not really a big. I don't, I'm kind of big on overseas and international right. films. I don't know too much about Norwegian cinema, but I it it just feels like the movie has this style to it that's very. It it feels like in some cases it's shot by a board observer. I'm just going to be perfectly okay. honest in okay. terms of that. It and it doesn't feel like it's very active. It feels like they just threw things in there for the fun of it. Yeah, and I like the film's fun factor. Right, you know, you know, it's it's teens going to the mountain in the woods it, it, in a it's cabin. Evil, yes, it's Evil Dead. It's right. Evil Dead. And they even and, and they know. even at that point they even kind of poke fun of it. Like that once. Uh, what, yes. I think I think it was Martin who says that you know 
it was my idea if we went to a beach instead, yes, you know, yes, instead yes. of like the cabin and, in the and, woods. And the care, and and and, the, well, and of course, there's the um the, the nerd kid where he talks about uh, Evil Dead, and Evil right. Dead Two, and, and and it's funny that he's the first one that gets dispatched, and not only that he yeah. gets dispatched, he gets dispatched the first way that he that the, the, the his character dies like they, well, he actually, dies in well, no, brain he, dead. He's the he's the, the 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 first male character to get killed. right, right. Yeah, They're, sorry. The, 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 Other oh, than yeah. Sarah, right, yeah. right. And let's talk about his de- his death scene for a moment. That was <laughs> insanely graphic and cheesy all at the same time. Oh man! But I laughed because it's like the perfect punchline for it. He's the nerd kid, right? And he gets attacked, and the Nazi zombies grab him, pull him out the window, and proceed to tear him apart. Right. And they tear his head apart. And his brains fall out. <laughs> right. And, you know, truthfully, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a fun – I was watching the documentary behind how they made it. And they have some guy just standing on a ladder with a boom mic. And he just drops the brains. Drops the brains, yeah. And, and it's really kind of funny how they, they you know, they, um, you know, made the, clay, you know, the, 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 the head formation, the clay formation, the, the you know, the, the prosthetics. Yes. And it, just, it was just insane. Watching them do the, do the, um, the tests and stuff like that, it, that was hysterical. That was worth the DVD purchase alone. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And and, but I will say this: that um, now I absolutely love the movie, and the opening scene with the use of um, I, I believe the uh, the, mo- the song was called "In the Hall of the Mountain King." Yeah, and yes, I just yes. I love that because it's it's got that it's got it's got that uh, uh, s- uh, silly but yet scary kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And every time I see it, it just it gets to me because it's just that the the, the bountiness of the song of her running through the snow and trying to get away from the the, the, the zombies. Yes, it's yeah. hilarious to me. Um, I, I so I really enjoyed that part. It's. It's just another thing about it that kind of bothered me was, you know, and again, it's it's just, uh, yes, it's a bunch of teens going into the woods yeah. in the cabin. Fine. I'm all for it. It's fun in its own way. I just didn't really like these characters that much. There's something about them that was just throwing me off a lot. I mean, I, I, I like them for the sense that, you know, again, they're just teens going to the woods for a holiday. Right. But they, they make these characters and they do, like, too many stupid mistakes. The one mistake that all oh, that I think made, you know, I'm sorry, go on. that made me just fucking fall down to the floor and laugh. I literally, I think this is the first time I've done this when right. I've watched this. Is I literally yelled at the screen. I'm laughing, but I'm like, what the? Hell? <laughs> it's it's the scene where they're in the cabin. Okay, it's the two guys. And one of them is making a Molotov cocktail. Oh yeah, that's Martin. I forget the other the yeah. other character's name, but yes. and he lights it up and he says, "Stand back." <laughs> <laughs> yes, and he and he throws it, and it hits the side of the window. Yes, and the house is on fire. And I literally almost said, "You dumb motherfucker! Just light it and just get close and throw it at what?" The, it, 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 but I laughed too because I was like, "That's such a stupid." Mistake. In fact, this this is this is what I actually printed this quote out because I, I found it funny. And I'm glad you brought that up. It says, "Martin, he's talking to his cell phone." He goes, "Hello, nine one one." Yes, we've been attacked by what looks to be German zombies yes. from the Second World War, and we set our cabin on fire by accident. Uh, know, and, then they and he jerks up. his phone away and goes, the bitch hung up on me. Yeah, yeah. They hung up on him, and, they, and he says, his friend says, well, who the hell is going to believe that story? He goes, just tell them terrorists are attacking us. <laughs> yeah, exactly, us. exactly. I mean, exactly. I, mean it, it, I mean, some of that stuff, I will admit, it's funny, and, yeah. and I get where they were trying to go with that. But at and, the same time, these characters, they just made them so so dry and so uninteresting that – you know, like they don't get. I guess what I'm trying to say is they. I felt like they didn't give them much to do, and whatever humor that they put in there, it just felt like it 
like it didn't match very well. Like 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 these characters are stupid, and then they end up doing stupid things rather than just yeah. making mistakes. You right. know. And, yeah, and I, uh, I could see where you're, where you're going with that. Um, it's uh, yeah, but I mean. But I will say this: I did like the character, he, the the boyfriend that went to the cabin on the snowmobile to find. Basically, there's this. I forget the gentleman, the character's name, but he's going to find his girlfriend Sarah. He's yeah, gonna, it's a stranger. Yeah. It's a stranger. We don't even know his name. Yeah. And, and he's and he's driving his um his uh, his uh, snowmobile through the snow, and yeah. he happens upon these zombies, and he and he dispatches them, and he ends up taking the machine guns and then strapping them to his yeah, snowmobile. Yeah, that's another thing though too, and that's what was. I laugh at those. It was yeah. funny, but it was. One of those things where I say they just threw everything in there. Yeah, I mean they just they, well they just threw everything. Yeah, in there yeah. To see they, what sticks. They, the boyfriend just happens to have a machine gun in his snowmobile. Well, I think he picked that up from. Did he? I, I, I'm pretty sure because you see I, him mounting it on oh, there. Yeah, but I thought because in the shot when he patches himself up, yeah. he goes over and he pulls the under the undercarriage of it out and he pulls the machine yeah. gun out. It was... Yeah. It was I'm I, pre- mean, I'm, I'm, I gotta rewatch it, but I'm pretty sure he found it because yeah, it, it yeah. wouldn't make much sense for him the machine gun on well, the snowmobile. Well, they do ask him after when he shoots yeah. him, he says, where the hell did you get the machine gun? I found it or something like that. No, he didn't answer he, me. He didn't. He oh, just well. says... Well, maybe it's the dub. I don't know if the version you watched was the English dub version. Yeah. Maybe if they, they had him dubbed and saying, no, I found no, it. Could, uh, yeah, I was watching the, the, the one with the, with the subtitles. And okay, I, yeah. The subtitles said, in, yeah. the, in the Norwegian version, said that he does. They ask him, where the hell did you get it? And he's just, oh, he, he's, just he's, he just avoids the question. Oh, okay. He, he, but anyways. Yeah, go on. No, no, but, um, you know, just something like that. And then the one part of the movie that I laughed that I was like, again, it was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? The, the one student who we find out earlier on is, yeah. is squeamish of blood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why would you become a medical student? Oh, yeah. So they asked that. Why the hell would you become a goddamn medical student if you're afraid of blood? God damn it. So they, he gets bitten by one of the zombies. Right. Now, here's the thing about the movie. The nerd character tries to establish that you have to avoid getting bit or right. you'll turn into a zombie. Right. But the movie never establishes that. Right. Well, so, they're going back off their previous yes, experience. off previous rules yeah, of the film. Uh, off the movies. It's, yeah. it's it's very a very Return of the Living Dead right, moment. Right. In Return of the Living Dead, they say, "Well, to kill the zombies, you have to destroy the brains." So they right. do it. Well, it doesn't work. They're still alive. So, right. so he decides to uh, he well he gets bitten, mm-hmm. starts panicking. What does he decide to do? He decides to just chop off his arm with a chainsaw. And I laughed, but then afterwards he has this moment where he's like. Man, maybe no. He gets bitten by the crotch. Yeah, and then he's just looking like <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh he's, man. <laughs> he's like, oh man. And his friend is also like, no, no. This is this is it. And it, it, it's funny. I, right. I think it's funny. Right. But it was just like one of those things where it felt like it just it was just all over the place. Yeah, and it, it, and, yeah. It was just and again and that's. Part of the charm, and I guess I can yeah. see why, why you're why you'd why you'd say, oh, I mean, well, wait I, a minute. Kind I, of. I, I like the film's charm. I will right. admit that. It's just it felt like <clears throat> it reminded me of um, uh, there was a uh, '80s French horror film called Devil Story, where it it, it, it had like a Nazi zombie mm-hmm. in it and um, uh, a, a, uni- a horse of some kind. And I, I, I remember watching that film, and I was like, you know, I can tell the filmmakers love horror, mm-hmm. but none of this shit makes any sense. <laughs> what are they trying to do here? I mean, I mean, I like the Lucio Fulci Italian horror films, and everybody complains about the plots in those films not making any sense. But if you watch those films very carefully, those uh, – or, or with a little more attentiveness, yeah, the plots aren't great, but they're not too nonsensical. 
Whereas Devil Story, this French horror film, was like completely nonsensical, <laughs> and Dead Snow just fell in that category where it was I like. I can see it. Because, well, this is. Um, I just recently saw the sequel called Dead Snow 2 Red vs. Dead. Yeah, I, I haven't the, seen that yet. Yeah, so. it, it, it just came out on Netflix streaming, and I wasn't going to purchase it or rent it because I, I just since we got, since I know it's gonna come to Netflix I just said I'll just wait yeah and I'm kind of glad I did <laughs> um basically um anyway getting back to this, this the Nazi zombies in this film are a combination of typical zombies in pop culture and ancient called an ancient Norse mythical beings known as drag mm. and now a drag is an undead being who like a vampire inhabits graves and they often out of jealousy live in the graves of important men and as they often had the treasures in, in them and they would protect their treasures if they were owned so Again, these zombies, I guess, are a little different, and they, they kind of explain it more in the sequel, like kind of what we were mentioning before, like with that, um, Three yeah. Days a Night, where you kind of you need a sequel to kind of kind of yeah, explain the backstory. But that's where I felt like the filmmakers should, and that and that's the thing, and I understand, but it's like, don't worry about a sequel. Worry about what you're doing right. now with the film, with, with the movie that you're making, because. The other thing is, and yes, it's a horror film, and yes, it's it's it, it's part fantasy, and right. it, it's but how the hell did Colonel Herzog and his band of soldiers become zombies? Is there a story by this? And not only that, but yeah, if the story that this mysterious stranger talks about with this area, you know, the legend and everything, right? Well, wouldn't we have heard more people being killed up there too? It, Truthfully, it, again, we're, 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 you're 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 deep. You're going analytical. I when know. You really I shouldn't. Know, and I shouldn't. <laughs> and I should. And I shouldn't. And, and like I said, it, it doesn't quite ruin the enjoyment of the movie. Right. I mean, I enjoyed it for what. By the end of the day, I took it for what it was. It yeah, was it's, a a silly, it's, movie. It's, it's, it's a silly movie. It's a silly zombie. It, it, basically, what I loved about it was was the. Was the kind of the silliness and that that it was over the top gore and just kind of in your face oh, yeah. being ridiculous. Then, it reminded me of. Of basically a young Peter Jackson, almost yes, with yes. some of the stuff they but did trying a, to. Yeah, that's true. But the difference with that was even in maybe not bad taste because bad taste had a, a very thin plot, but it was still a fun movie. Uh, you know, like with Dead Alive or Brain Dead, mm-hmm. whichever title you want to choose from. You know, it felt like there was still some semblance because it's a story about a man who uh, mother gets bitten by a zombie, and of course he's right. trying to contain all that shit. And it's like, and, and you feel that there's a story there. It's not a great story, but there's something there. Mm-hmm. I felt like with Dead Snow, you know, again, I appreciate the fact that it's horror film fans banding together and making a film. It's like, you know, it's like friends getting together with a video camera with a bunch of beer and right. just fucking around, and you know, and that's what Dead Snow feels like. But at the end of the day, too, I felt like, you know, the movie could have been a little more. But even with that said. I didn't hate the movie. I didn't dislike right. it. It was fun for what it was, and you know. And I, I'm sorry for anybody out there if I'm throwing too much criticism. At the, oh no, I, and I'm, I'm the big, I'm the biggest advocate uh, that I know of, of that. No, and I, I don't take it personally. Yeah, it's, no, no. It's just I. It's the. It's. I think it's because we've watched horror films so many times. Yeah. You know, we, when you're younger, you take it for what it is, and then you get a little older, and you're like, okay, well, what's the deal here? But like I said, it's kind of like when I watch Ghostbusters too. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, it's kind of like with well, you mentioned Ghostbusters too, or Ghostbusters, where Harold Ramis said, you know, people don't understand that if you break down the plot for Ghostbusters, it really does not make any sense mm. at all. No. But what carries it is the fun performances, the witty writing, mm-hmm. the special effects, the engaging direction, making up for its very. Th- Thin storyline, and I love Ghostbusters. I mean, I love yeah. it a lot. I'm not yeah. saying that as a criticism. 
And by the way, that was Harold Ramis telling the story yeah. behind that. The guy who, who actually wrote, who the, wrote movie. the movie. Yeah, <laughs> because if you think about it, you know, like in Ghostbusters, it's like all of a sudden these guys get into the ghostbusting business and then ghosts start showing up. I mean, right. shouldn't this be a rampant problem before they get into the business? No. Know? Or absolutely. Or, not. Yeah, or you know, yeah, no, no, you know, nobody challenges that. But but that's what helps progress the story. You have right. to have that. And and you kind of let that go because the movie is effective and it's in, 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 in all of its other categories. Whereas Dead Snow, I mean, like I said, I didn't hate Dead Snow. Would I, would I recommend this movie? Yes, if you're looking for a fun time. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're drinking and you have a bunch of buddies over and everything, yeah. or if you're that type of person, you like your horror films wild and crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Dead Snow is worthy of checking out. I mean, yeah. but so, just don't sit there expecting like this thing to go anywhere. <laughs> right, anywhere. Um... It's not a clear path. Let's just put it yes, that way. Yes, yes. Now, I will like the way they ended it. They ended it with um, – just, <laughs> just to put a bow on it and, and move on. Yes. Um, they they ended up with Martin being the, the sole survivor, the guy who lost his arm and got bit in a crotch. Yes. <laughs> he runs down to the car. He's able to give the gold back. But then a gold, one gold piece falls out of his jacket yeah. pocket or his pants <laughs> pocket. And then we see Herzog punch the glass and – Cut the black. Cut the black. <laughs> now, just real quick, I they – um, Dead Snow 2, I watched it, and it picked up exactly where that part left off. Now, my, my main – that was my main complaint is that I don't think really there should have been a sequel made to, all, to begin with at all, and I love yeah. Dead Snow. Um, and the second one is just more of like – real quick, is just more of a, like an evil dead with deadites kind of like thing where yeah. they're bringing bit people back to life. It, it, again, one of those things where it makes no sense but on a much larger scale. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. If, if, if that could be imagined. Um, yeah, well – So again – I didn't hate this, the sequel, but it's nowhere near the the fun of the of the original or the first one. I will. Say, I love the bit in the first film, and there are some fun bits in the first film. So I love the bit where the one girl climbs up the tree to avoid the two Nazis, yeah. and, and she comes up by a crow's nest. Yeah, and the crow starts attacking her, and she has to kill the damn thing. It, it's just like because it's attacking her, and she yeah. bats it and everything, and she's trying to be quiet about it, but she just can't. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she looks down, and there are the two Nazis. Zombies looking up at her right. like, "Yep, <laughs> yeah, we got you. We got you cornered." Yeah. Uh, so, I, and I will say this though too, also about the, the girls in this movie were very cute. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. But um, if there's one thing that was almost a turnoff of one of the girls was what what is with the girl with the horrible dreadlocks? Yeah, and, Jesus and tr- Christ. Yeah, and truthfully, I, I, she was cute, but I felt uber bad for her. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she survived. She survives like this Nazi. She survives. She survived the, the, the onslaught of the Nazis. She's the one that was getting cornered in a tree. Yeah. And she's the one that kind of caused this like miniature avalanche. She gets. She digs herself out of the snow. She turns around to help her her boyfriend Marty or Martin. Yeah. And Martin turns around and just sticks an axe in her neck. Yeah. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh jeez. <laughs> I remember going, oh Jesus. Christ. And he's and just the look on his face is just like, oh my god, what the fuck, <laughs> you dummy, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I. It would have been funny if. She would have just told him after she got hit in the neck. She, yeah. she, it would have been funny if she just would have said, well, fuck you too. Yeah, <laughs> <Died>. so, <laughs> so anyway, we'll, we're putting a pin on this and we're saying night-night to the zombies. Yes, yes. I mean, you know what? Again. Yeah. Final – all right. Final final uh, review or final like – you know, final review. Um, would you recommend it? Um, I would – again – not a film I was too crazy about, but didn't quite hate it. So I would say yes. Okay. Check it out if you can get it for you know very little. Um, you know, it, it, again, it's a movie that if you're not expecting a lot, your expectations are low, and you like your movies delivered with such 
weird and ridiculousness, this will be up your alley, yeah. you know? So it gives it thumbs up for me. I, I loved it. Um, I know Chris didn't feel the same way. Yeah. but I didn't hate but like yeah. I said, I didn't right, hate Right, you didn't so. hate it. There's, like, there's a lot, lot worse out there. Yeah. So anyway, um, now we're moving on to our final film. So Chris, would you please do the honor of rolling that trailer for Frozen from 2010? Yep, here it goes. about this yeah, yeah it works all the time all you have to do is go over there and you say like i said that i could pay for all three lift tickets and then i left my credit card at the gas station right totally on money just not enough for all three <laughs> last run gotta make it Wow. Yes. Uh, so, yes, Frozen, made in yeah. 2010, written and directed by Adam Green. Uh, from the man who brought you such eight fun 80s slasher throwbacks like Hatchet <laughs> and Hatchet 2 comes, <laughs> a, comes a very, quote, different kind of horror. Yes, yes very. very different. Frozen opens at a New England ski resort, and we are introduced to three characters. Joe, played by Sean Ashmore, uh Dan, played by Kevin Zegers, and Dan's girlfriend, Parker, played by Emma Bell. Oh, beautiful Emma Bell. Oh, yes. She's very good in this, too. And mm-hmm. then, So Joe and Dan have been childhood friends for years, but Joe resents Dan bringing Parker along as this was supposed to be, you know, Joe and Dan's day, you know? So, and kind plus, of a guy's weekend. Yeah, guy's weekend. Plus, Parker can't snowboard, um, which is a major annoyance to Joe. So, and you know, I gotta be honest. It sounds like Joe needs to get himself a girl. Well, in two scenes, he does manage he tries, to get yeah. a phone number from one <laughs> cute chick. So perhaps there's some hope for little Joey. Uh, so, anyways, as night approaches, uh, the three teens decide to take a final run down the mountain before going home. Uh, they're able to get aboard a ski lift after asking the operator to let them go up. As the lift takes the young threesome up the mountain, the operator gets pissed over a scheduling snafu and heads off to the office to bitch at his boss, leaving the operating to another co-worker who proceeds to shut the ski lift down after thinking he's seen the three teens skiing down the slope. But no, Joe, Dan, and Parker are still on the lift and are stuck up there. You know, at first they think it might be a brief malfunction, but as the ski resort powers down and the lights turn off, the three teens realize not only are they trapped on the inoperable ski lift, but nobody knows they're still up there. Uh-oh. But yeah, but you know, hey, that's okay. 
Once the resort opens up the next day, the lift will, will be up and running, and they'll be able to get off and ski their way back down just fine. Oh, wait. Uh-oh. It's Sunday, and the resort is only open on weekends, so they'll have to wait for a whole week to get down before the place is reopened again. And Uh-oh. a snowstorm is coming their way. Ooh, this can't be good. So suffering from frostbite and the extreme cold, Dan attempts to make a jump for help. But Dan lands on his feet and breaks his legs in the hard snow. And it doesn't help much that Dan is attacked and eaten by ravenous wolves hungry no. for flesh and blood. Holy shit, this is getting serious. So Joe and Parker attempt to stay up on the ski lift uh, for another day or so. But eventually they have to make a decision. Stay on the ski lift and hope beyond hope that someone will come and rescue them. Or try to get off the ski lift and avoid being killed by wolves. You know... Now, I had seen Frozen before. It was recommended to me by none other than Mark Risman of uh, Severpod and, yes, of the Mark and Ken Video Store Podcast. Recommended to me quite some time ago. Yeah. And I remember. Recommended wa- to me, too, as yeah, well. Yeah. And I remember watching it. And, you know, I liked Hatchet. Madam Green was fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't see Hatchet 2 yet. And I still have not seen that film. Th- that's a fun film, too. Um, not as good as the first one, but it's, it's fun. Actually, by the way, side of fun, uh, didn't you see it theatrically when it played? Yes, I saw. It, actually, I saw that. Yes, yeah, with but, with Mark and a few other guys. Yeah, yeah. Did, but did, I thought I heard that you fell asleep. That is <laughs> that has been grossly exaggerated. Yes, oh, you were just yeah. you were power napping. Yes, I closed my eyes for about thirty seconds. Mark will have it, have it made out till I, I closed my eyes for about ten minutes. But truthfully, when I when I closed my eyes and when I opened my my eyes, they were still on the same scene giving out cookies. So oh, whatever. Okay, okay. In the movie. So, but anyways. Anyway, go on. Yes, but. Anyways, you know, so one would one would wonder what Adam Green would do next in terms of a horror film. Yes. And Frozen, I think, is a perfect example of actually the burning question. When is a horror film not a horror film? Or in this case, how is a bunch of teens stuck on top of a ski slope a horror film? Not saying it isn't horror, though. Right. But if you think about it, what is a horror film to you? It's either involving a psychotic killer, a supernatural terror from beyond the grave— right. Uh, you some know, kind demonic, of beast. Yeah, some kind of beast, demonic possession. Uh, rabbit kids, dog, rabbit shark. Dog, shark. Yeah, shark, killer, shark, killer, piranha, whatever. Yeah. So not exactly something – kids being on top of a, of a ski on top of a ski lift yeah. being a horror film. Yeah. When you first hear that, you think minor inconvenience. Yes. But then you realize that the, the that there's a snowstorm coming, that these kids are going to be stuck up 50 feet in the air yeah. for a week. Uh, you're going to freeze to death. Right, right. Now, that to me is a little flippant scary. That then, is, yes. Then you get, uh, uh, I believe it was uh, Dan, uh, uh, Parker's boyfriend, um, thinking, pulling this macho stuff where he's, like, he's going to jump down and he's going to try to ski, yes. ski to safety. Yeah, and get, which, by the up. way, if you're going to jump off a ski lift on hard snow and land right. on your feet, good yeah. luck. But yeah, <laughs> but, but we digress. But he, he tries to make make go of it, and he doesn't get very far at all. Yeah, um, it's, but I mean, this is this is something that, like I said, I, I'm saying this begs the question: When is a horror film not a horror film? I, I truly feel that this is a horror film yeah. of a different sort, and it right. is probably what I would brand real Realistic, life horror. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. So, I'll, I'll never look at a ski lift the same way. Yeah. Th- now, it doesn't make me say to myself, I won't, don't want to go skiing. Oh, yeah. But uh, I got to say, getting trapped on a ski lift and then, right. and then 
you know, by the way, going to a to a, a ski re, a, a ski resort that only opens up on weekends. Well, <laughs> also, Christ. personally, if I was going to a ski resort that's only open on the weekends, I wouldn't go down one last time before yeah, they close. Right, right. There's just too much stuff that can go wrong. Oh yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah. Now, what I found interesting is because I'm a huge fan of uh, Adam Green's work. Uh, yeah, he's, I, I, and he's I, done a very good yeah, job. I, I love I love Frozen, obviously. Um, no, no spoiler there. Um, I love uh, the Hatchet series. Um, he, he directed and re- he wrote and directed the first two. The thir- third one he did, and he, he set that off to his good friend yeah. uh, BJ, who, who took over. The, yeah, the third. I think he wrote that and produced it. I yeah, think he, did. He, he did. He did produce it. Okay. Um, but what I found really funny is that Kane Hodder makes a cameo as Cody, the uh, the, the guy who runs the um, the snowmobile thing or the, the snow Oh, yeah, that comes yeah. by and he's yeah. just in the car. Now, now like, Kane uh, Hodder is also, uh, he plays Victor Crowley in the Hatchet movie. Yes, yes. And he also play, he's also played Jason as well in the right. Friday the 13th franchise. But also uh, there's an, un, uh, an, an uncredited cameo, a voiceover by Joel David Moore, who uh, was on the CB radio telling Cody to come back that the slope is clear. And that was uh, who also appeared in Hatchet. Uh, the first hatchet film, right? Okay. So I just it was like really quick nods to to there's certain oh, things. Oh yeah, which yeah. He uses a lot of his uh, a lot of his friends and yeah, people a lot of could, stock company individuals yeah. that he has. And right. And what I like about Frozen is that it's there's something about this. I mean, like I said, it's it's very close to real life horror in that Adam Green does a very effective job in making the situations very uncomfortable. I right. mean, it's it's like they're up in the ski. Um, Parker has to, you know, she has to urinate, and yeah. she ends up urinating herself up there. And there's something about that scene. It's just like it, it's, it's it's frightening and it's sad. It's frightening too. and sad. It's very uncomfortable. And this, but the situation is what puts them in it. Right. And then there's the scene where Dan jumps off and breaks his legs, right. and he gets attacked by the wolves. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's very effective. Yeah. I mean, I, you have a you, again um, when you're thinking about realistic horror, like you said, you know. There's not a chance of you getting caught up by a machete-wielding, you know, cycle like Jason. Yeah. But there is a very chance of you getting attacked by a bear or or, or wolves or some sort right. of like. Well, the film's poster. I'm sure you, if, if anybody out there is not familiar yeah. with this film and has seen the poster, it's it's an image of someone on the ski lift hanging off yeah. of it. And you, f- you find out that's Parker. Yeah, yeah. But but for some reason, whenever I see that poster, when I first saw it or I saw the the, the, the DVD cover of mm-hmm. it, I thought to myself, man, this. It makes it look like it's some odd, maybe like some winter supernaturally themed horror Yeah, like a thing. Yeti or something yeah, that comes yeah, out yeah, to yeah. those or people. Like, or like the winter or whatever. Abominable snowman. Yeah, or something. And you watch it, and it's not about that. It's it's about something more realistic, right. and it's effective that way. And I'm not saying that the advertising was misleading. It actually wasn't misleading. Right. It just made you think that it was something not quite on the real level of horror, a realistic horror. Right. And um, – you know, I I really like the setup for it. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's fun in terms of getting you into it. Right. Um, and I just like the bit where the guy gets pissed at the, over the scheduling. Oh yeah. It, it takes one little mishap. Right. To f- fuck it up right. for these well, three people. Well, and, and truthfully, I think there was like a couple of things that went. Yeah, he came in because he was supposed to. The original operator was supposed to have his brothers the next weekend off because of his brother's wedding, and then he goes. Yeah, he, he storms off, pissed yeah, off. And he yeah. talks to the supervisor. Then the other operator says, "Oh man, I got to take a piss," and he tells the other guy, "Hey, there's three more people coming down." Yeah, and three people do yeah, come and down. Three people do come down. So it, it's an obvious. It's a mix-up. You know. Yeah. It, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. Yeah. Um, but man, but, it's a scary mistake. Yeah. Now, now, truthfully. I, 
I love it the fact that this is an intense flick that never lets up, and I love the fact that it's like a man versus nature kind of film, you know, which it is. Oh yeah. And I also love the fact that even though they're outdoors, you know, in these wide open spaces, you've got this very claustrophobic feeling because oh, yeah. there's like nowhere to go. It's basically three teens in a ski lift. Right. And I can only imagine what Adam Green must have felt when he wrote this and put it all together. It's one of those things that I'm sure when he wrote it. And when it was done for the day and it was ready to be shot, he was probably sitting there saying to himself, how in the hell am I going to make this work? And how in the hell am I going to make it scary? And he does succeed making it scary yeah. simply because he doesn't he doesn't overdo it. He doesn't, like, pull a surprise on you, like, because, you know, like, all of a sudden it turns into something involving the supernatural. No, it right. stays its course. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's very straightforward. There's no... I mean, there, it it feels very real, which that's what's really scary about yeah, it. Yeah, it's um, just uncomfortable. Now I, now, I know some people may think, well, that's boring, but I think you're missing the point. Oh, I think you're missing yes, the point. Yes, yes. Um, now, um, so I really I really enjoyed it. I thought he did a oh, bang-up yeah. job. And wh- what's even funny is he, he's he's one of those guys um, that appears in his films like Alfred Hitchcock does. He like a, If you remember, there's a scene where they get stuck up on the on the snow lift for like, I think it's the first or second run. Yeah. And they, 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 it stops and it jerks and they, and they stop for like 30 seconds or 10 seconds and then they look back and then it's Adam Green and, yeah. his, and his actually for, director of photography. Yeah. That are, Just and, sitting and there going, like, oh, come on, what the hell, <laughs> you know? So, Jesus Christ, get this moving. <laughs> right. So but, I, I really loved it. And, it, and, it's, and you know what? That's another thing too. The... Um, I think Adam Green does a pretty good job in, in supplying this movie with uh, very good performances from the three cast members. I mean, and again, it's it's one of those situations where it's a three cast movie. Mm-hmm. That's what's really going to make or break this movie, and and it actually makes the movie. It doesn't break the movie. It, it works. They the, the three cast members: uh, Sean Ashmore, Kevin Zegers, right. and uh, Emma Bell do an excellent job oh, yeah. in selling yeah. this. And truth, you know, and we just want to make a quick note uh, to mention. If you watch closely to Adam Green's Hatchet 2, there's a quick scene where Daniel, Hill, Daniel Harris's character, Mary Beth, is talking to Tony Todd's Reverend Zombie character. And you see a news report with Parker O'Neill talking about her ordeal on Mount Halston. Ah! She's, she's, even, she, she's even wearing the bandage on her hand sustained from the chairlift. And she's saying she's never going skiing again. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. The, no mention of the two friends yeah, getting killed. Yeah, it's, but underneath, it, underneath the little news report, it says, it says settlement out of court for Mount Halston disaster. Oh, Jesus. And, then, and then you see Reverend, then you see Tony Todd's character just flip off the TV. And I thought that was kind of like a really cool nod because yeah. both, both those films came out the same year. Right, right. And it's nice little in-joke too. Right. You have Emma Bell going and settlement out of court. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm never going skiing again. Oh, no. But don't forget about my friends who both got eaten by wolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the movie does have a sense of hopelessness attached to it. I mean, you they're stuck up there in the ski lift. They have to make. I mean, it, they have to make these really pivotal decisions, and right. the decisions don't feel like they're made out of stupidity. No, like it, it, yeah, it feels like those were the kind of decisions that you you would have to make. You only have so many decisions. Like uh, I believe it was uh, Joe who, after seeing you know Dan's failed attempt at you know and dying, yeah, uh, trying to get down the mountain, he he puts uh, he he tries to like climb the cable wires right. and ends up cutting up his hands he and he finally does succeed right. sort of yeah. and he and he gets down the, to the ground but then he's attacked right. and well which we find out later yeah. cuz you know, he's going to get help, and then, of course, she doesn't yeah. come back, and she's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> right. But he was pretty much tore His hands were all tore up. I mean, there's nothing you can do with those, oh, those yeah. cables. Um, it's, um, yeah, and it, 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 it's very interesting, too, because the movie does try to pit a lot of odds against them. 
You know, mm-hmm. you jump off there, you're going to break your leg, which is what Dan does. He jumps off there and breaks his legs. And then um, the other problem is, well, you can climb the cables, but mm-hmm. you're going to probably cut yourself because it's made out of that um, particular wiring. Yeah. And then, um, and then of course, Parker tries to... Um, she's kind of, like, stuck in that situation by herself where maybe, sh- maybe she's going to jump off of it or maybe she's yeah. going to... Um, climb the cables, and then of course the the, the ski lift starts getting loose. And now, now the ski lift was was kind of damaged or kind of broken because of Joe. I mean, he was kind of hanging on by a rung, correct? I'm trying to remember. I think he was because yeah, because remember remember that this hanging by like a like a thread almost. Let's just for better you know word. Um, yeah, pretty much like their lives yeah, at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, she, and then she and then it finally breaks and she falls to the ground and she's able to and be able to I guess not scare off the wolves but kind of like. I don't know, like, she avoided, stare them down. Well, she was able to avoid them when they were still feeding yeah, on, uh, on poor Joe. On poor Joe. And then so. she was able to get to the road and, Yeah, get you to know. the car where the guy's like, are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is, no, yeah. <laughs> Which is, I know, yeah, it's yeah. one of those funny things. Where it's like, are you okay? You look like you, you know, what are you doing out here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, now, uh, was it, I want to uh, talk about uh, the special shots we were talking about, how they, you know, now this film was shot entirely practically, which meaning there was no soundstage, no green screen, and no CGI. Yeah, pretty much the, on the set. The actors were okay. truly suspended over 50 feet in the air outside a real mountain in uh, mountaintop in Utah. Um, so, yeah, they were in the mountains for real. Um, and then to get the shots on the chairlift, moving with the actors, speaking on it, director Adam Green and the director of photography, uh, Will Barnett, shot everything themselves as the film's camera crew was too nervous to dangle from those heights. Oh, jeez. So it was just, it was those two. It was, it was the writer and the director... <laughs> And, and the director of photography up there. That's so basically, yeah, basically the, the two main big guys of the, the story, you know, um, you sure know, you, don't hang, you sure you don't want to hang on up? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, are you sure? I mean, you know, I need you up here. Yeah. And, and we, we were talking about how Adam uses uh, key crew positions in every project that he chooses and, and based on the projects, whether he can work with the actors and his, or with his friends. Um, so the man it was on the missing poster in the lodge is Green's usual uh, camera operator, B.J. McDonald, mm-hmm. but he couldn't shoot Frozen because he had already was booked to work on, get this, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the poster of, of B.J. Is, is meant to be a shout-out and a dig at B.J. for missing the shoot. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. So well, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, well, hey. Because we know how we, we love Rob Zombie yeah, and, yes, and the we, Halloween movies. We love Rob Zombie and Halloween. That's yeah, uh, very, so. yes. Check our several. Pod episode <laughs> episodes where we where our former Severpod episodes where we occasionally take digs at Rob Zombie or listen to the next episode where I make Chris purposely watch Halloween too. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Rob Zombie's Halloween oh, too. Oh man, please don't. <laughs> well, um, other than that, I, I don't really have much too much else to say about this. Yeah, um, I mean, I recommend this movie. Highly recommend this yeah, to me. It's so good and two like, thumbs up. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's one of those movies where you will say to yourself, "When is a horror movie not quite a horror movie?" But you know, I mean, it is real horror, and it it, it it works very well. I mean, I, I'm still surprised. I mean, not saying Adam Green couldn't pull it off; he pulls it off very well. Yeah. But it's one of those things I'm willing to bet when he wrote it, he was like, "Man, how am I going to make this scary?" And he makes it scary, and I, I I like the film, and I do recommend it. Yeah, highly recommended here. Um, again, uh, as you'll probably hear in future episodes, Mark actually refers us to a lot of different movies <laughs> that we've actually watched. Yes. Um, and for, nine times out of ten, he's usually correct. Yes. So, um, I guess we're, we're done with that, and we'll put a bow on that, and uh, give you know give our thumbs up and our approval. And uh, yes, yes, I we do. <laughs> um, so I guess well, well, kids, with that we wrap up our first episode. You know, so thanks for listening. 
don't worry, we'll be back next month with a brand new episode for you. Yes, and you know what? In the meantime, why don't we, uh, you know, Tim, why don't you direct our, uh, our, our our listeners, hopefully old listeners, and yes, also hopefully new listeners too, yeah. to uh, where they can uh, find us and uh, if they'd like to, if they'd like to send us mail and you know, whatnot and yeah. a fan page. Yeah. Well, if you would like to, if you, uh, sorry, if you would like to email us, we'd love to hear from you. Our official email address is that horror show podcast at gmail.com. Again, it's that horror show podcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach us through our official Facebook page at facebook.com backslash that horror show podcast. And you can also read our movie reviews at that horror show podcast dot com. So with that, I have nothing else. How about you, Chris? Well, no, I have nothing else than that. It was a very good read there, Tim. It, uh, well, you know, I tried. It, it's straight to the point, you know. You know, I remember back in our day during uh, Super Evil where, um, you know, we would just um, we just go have Dave read off the information and uh, he'd just tell us all the fun mail stuff that we would never get. But anyways, yes. Yes, yes. We're, not, but, we do, we're not doing the mailroom segments here. Yes, yes. If you happen to send us yeah, something. We will read it. In, we will read it. Um, if we don't get anything, you know what? We still plug our email address, yeah. and we're not too wor- we're, we're not too worried about yeah. that. So and, and yeah, so if you have like um, movies that you want us to maybe review and talk yeah. about, or, or maybe suggestions on television shows or movies that you would like us to see, please shoot us an email. We, yeah. we would love to review them. Or if you agree with us or disagree with us about uh, something we've said, please send it to us. I mean, I I I'm going to say say to the listeners out there that what I I hope for for this show is that. Um, I think that what will make our show fun and informative is just that we – I approach this show like a talk show basically, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think what will make this show – I mean this is my hopes. I'm just saying. But I think what will make this show uh, effective is that, um, you know, Tim and I, we love talking about horror films. Oh, yes. We lo- and we love talking too. So yeah. hopefully, you know, so talking in horror films. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but what I do hope is that um, people will appreciate that what we try to be real on this show as best yeah. as possible. We we give our opinions. You know, we we don't agree very often. We don't agree all the time, mm-hmm. but we respect our opinions, and whatnot. And we will respect our listeners. Yes, and as our listeners too, maybe. Anyways, uh, no, no. <laughs> if you no, prove worthy no, enough. No, no. If you prove worthy <laughs> enough, yes. If you prove worthy enough, then you will be part of the club. No, it's. But I um, I I feel that what makes this show what what well I'm sorry what will make this show right um, for us is that we remain real and we remain true to our intent mm-hmm. of what we want to do here. You know, I mean, there's tons of podcasts out there. Yeah. Millions, know, s- millions, unfortunately. Selections out there. And I've listened to a few. Um, there's some out there that are good. There's some out there that aren't great. I'm not naming names because I don't want to go down that route. And I don't think it's right of us to do that, particularly no. since this is our first pilot episode. So who and, knows? And truthfully, we are, everybody's in the podcast. We're in a community. And we yes. shouldn't really bad, be yeah, bad-mouthing yeah. anybody. Well, I mean, it's not bad-mouthing. It's, it's just – or it's talking down, whatever. Talking down. It's just the honesty that we give. I mean, it, it, it's there are some shows out there that are good. There are some shows, that, shows that, out there that are not so good. And there are some out there that just really stink. And I'm not naming names, not doing any of that. But it's just I feel what will make this podcast unique and interesting is that we just, you know, our main goal here is just to talk yeah. and to tell you to give an opinion of what we feel, how we feel about something. And, and hopefully you'll find the entertainment value behind right. that. And we may stutter and we may may sidestep something or, yes, or, yes. or you know misspeak. And we'll go back and correct that if you right, catch right. it to us. You know, that, that's what makes, we're only human. But that's what makes the show, in my opinion, like I say, being real. Is that right. we, you know, we make mistakes. 
you know, we do our best, but we we go through with it. You know, I always look at it like, you know, if it if 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 the joke doesn't work, oh well, move on to the next one. It's like with comedy, you know, if right. the joke didn't work, oh well, you got booed, move on to the next one. Hopefully you get a laugh. If you don't, you keep plugging away yeah. at it. If first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. Try, try again, yeah. And I mean, and I'm not trying to explain away everything on here, folks, but it's just just trying to say what what Tim and I, or, or at least... Our mission statement, our right? Mission, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Our mission statement. Our mission statement is to provide you with an entertaining show in that all we're doing here is talking, and hopefully that you'll find something interesting about it, you yeah. know? And uh, that's our show format. Yeah. So... so with that, I'd like to say good night, and uh, we'll see you next month. Yep. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. Oh, son of a bitty son of a bitty son of a bitty a gun. <laughs> you thought I was going to say a son of a bitch, didn't you? <laughs>